I think what most sales reps fail to get accustomed to is that there's always going to be a rebuttal. Right. It is no, like, it's very rare, even with all of this, people are not, are not like programmed to make decisions. Yes. Like they're just, they're not, you know? And then so, you know, you have to know that going in. So it doesn't like for me, it doesn't matter what rebuttal comes up to me. It's literally like just so natural. Like it doesn't phase me. I already know you're going to hit me with a rebuttal, even if I've done an amazing job. It's just, I just know that's a thing. And then, so what a lot of sales reps do is that that kind of, they almost always get caught off guard by a rebuttal. It's almost like, oh, damn, I got a rebuttal. Like, oh, now I got to work my way up. To me, I don't look at that. To me, I'm like, okay, well, we're at that stage of your decision making. Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. My name is Chris Thompson, your host of the show and the head coach of the Student Works Management Program. This is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. Super excited to be bringing back Adil Jahari. He is partner and co-owner of Rydell Roofing. And uh, he was the second interview on the Leaders of Tomorrow. So we would have done that two and a half years ago in the fall. We, we, we launched uh, Leaders of Tomorrow. And his episode number was episode number three, launched on January 13th. And so we had Adil come back and sort of share, hey, what's, what's happened over the last couple of years? So his business really grew in revenue and he decided that that really wasn't what was that he should make the focus of his business. So he made the focus of his business really profit or gross, gross profit. And how does he structure his business? How did, how did he look at it? And then we, we dug into his decision to franchise. He has four student works, uh, former uh, amazing Alumni, so shout out uh, to 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 uh, you know Dan and Ben and Andrew and Daniel Dan, and uh, tell some stories about them in the podcast. Um, we really dig into the franchise opportunity, the growth, the success that they're having, the challenges that they're having, and and at the end, we spent a bunch of time on sales and what makes Adel just a remarkable, remarkable salesperson. I know you're going to love this podcast. It really is going to be a favorite. And uh, thanks so much for tuning in. And, and you know what we're up to is finding amazing young leaders that we can make a real impact on. So if you know anyone, please send them to our site, studentworks.com. You could share this podcast, or you could also send me an email about ideas for the show or about young leaders, Thompson at studentworks.com. Thanks so much. Have a fantastic day. So, Adel, really excited to be welcoming you back to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. Perfect. Thank you for having me. Well, fantastic. I know one of the things we were just looking at is, is you were my second full interview, uh, and we did it in the fall of 2018. We launched the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast in 2019. You were number four. I did some solo episodes uh, around Nick Eves, the Chief Operating Officer of Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. And then we had you on. And because really what you were doing was just spectacular and just amazing, amazing uh, success. And not surprisingly, you've just continued along making all sorts of uh, all sorts of headway. So 
why don't you bring us back, you know, in 2018, you know, if you can recall, you know, heading into that 2019 season, what were you looking to do? What was happening in your business, et cetera? Yeah. Well, I, I will say one thing. I, I love coming back to, to, to this podcast because I feel like it's one of those things that keeps me in check. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, I know that, hey, somebody's going to ask you these questions. So you better have some good answers <laughs> when the time comes. So yeah, 20, 2018 was, was an interesting year because that was the, the year we were, you know, ever since year one, since we started, you know, we went through half a million dollars, then 1.5 million year two, then 3.2 million year three. So we had these like big, you know, jumps in revenue. And then so based on that experience, the little experience I had in, yeah. in, in business, you know, that's how I thought the world goes. You know, yes. it's, it's, you just keep continue making, you push harder, you work harder and uh, you just continue having these like extremely big jumps in revenue. And then so 2018, uh, we came off a, a year, um, I think 2018, if I recall, that was the year we did, I think 4.3 or 5.3 million, something like that. But it was, it was right. a big number for us. Yeah. Yeah. And then so we were pushing into 2019 and that was the year where we put the $10 million goal. That's yes. where, you know, that's where we wanted to, to, to really uh, uh, just absolutely, it was, I, I remember I was scared when we put that goal up, but I was like, we could do it. And um, that was an interesting year. That was definitely an interesting year. We definitely hit that goal sales-wise. We weren't able to produce it. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you, that was uh, uh, that year was what I would say is my first like official, almost like slap in the face to kind of or you know big big lesson that I learned in business in terms of uh, you know what to do, what not to do, and. Um, yeah. And although I, you know, it was great that, hey, we hit uh, our sales target, we weren't able to produce it, but it definitely was, um, it was a tough year. Yeah. For sure. And so it's, you know, so, so, you know, lessons from that year, because really, again, it's, it's so often, you know, people have things go against them, but it's, it's, it's really not against us. It's for us, you know, so, because mm-hmm. now you're a wiser entrepreneur, you're a wiser business leader. So. What sort of things did you did you learn in that year? And as a result, what sort of decisions did you go into the next year? Yeah, that's a, a, a great question because definitely where we are today um, now into in 2021 is is heavily uh, you know it's like a, a almost like a reaction to what happened to us in 2019, yes. and uh, we're in a, a way 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 better better place now, you know. Uh, you know, a few things that I learned would be that, uh, you know, controlled growth is definitely something worth considering as, as, as ambitious, especially, you know, especially when you're young, um, which I still am, but I feel like at the time being a little bit younger, you're just extremely ambitious. And, and, you you know, you, you never really look at the bigger picture. You're more just look at the target and you know that you could do it. And then, so you know, so just taking a little bit of a step back and being able to analyze the picture as a whole is definitely worth it. You know, and and then following like some of those things that transpire from that is things like cash flow management. Yeah. You know, when you're managing production, doing four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars a month is completely di- different than when you're invoicing about a million dollars a month. Yes. Like that's a, a, a big difference. Um, yeah. Especially when 
a way to grow your business to that level, you have to get into bigger commercial projects. Well, now you're not getting paid for 30 days. You're not getting paid for 60 days, 60 days, and, 90 days, and certain, <laughs> certain scenarios, you know? Yeah. And then you get into, because you have such massive growth, you know, we had, I think over 20 full-time crews yeah. running at the same time at different projects. We had close to 50 employees at the time when you consider our office staff and our, our in-house employee installers and yeah. our repair techs and our drivers. And we had our own line of dump trailers. And because we, we decided, you know what, we don't want to order dumpsters anymore. We want our own line of dumpsters. And all of that growth creates quite a bit of impact in terms of, well, you know, even your quality on projects, how well are you controlling your project? Well, now yeah. all of a sudden you go from, you know, six, seven years of doing a business where uh, quality is perfect and it's never an issue. And now, wait a minute, all of a sudden it's like, we're having problems here. We, we are having problems there. It's like, you know, and then that then affects getting paid. Um, yes. And then so, so all these things, cash flow was definitely a, a big player. And, you know, and then eventually the biggest lesson is that, you know, we're in an industry where workforce is very limited yes. you know, now more than ever. And then so, but work isn't uh, there's, mm -hmm. you know, I always say there's honestly an unlimited amount of roofs to do out there. It's yeah. just, if you, if you have the capacity to do it, it's doable. Yes. And then, so we, we really shifted our business model from a revenue focused company to a profit focused company where that's like our go-to. So when we're now our terminology, the way we track things, the way our goals are set, it's not based on a revenue target. It's based on the profit. So what's the profit in this project? What's the right. profit in this division? What's the profit in this month? Right. You know, and, 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 and then finally, I would say the last lesson I learned would be, you know, resources are out there if you're resourceful enough. Mm -hmm. And and now more than ever, that is that is one of the like a crucial crucial lesson that we learned that you know if you look for things, there are things out there to really help businesses. Um, they're there for anybody to take advantage of them if you're looking for them. And so, um, what do you mean by resources? What's why don't you share that with the leaders? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, uh, uh, growing my business, I never reached out to anybody. Okay. Nothing. You know, I never, yeah. I never reached out to no uh, government help, no grant, no subsidy, Love it. no employment, uh, partnership opportunity for like student employment, yeah. no co-op opportunities. I never even looked for what type of funding can a business get. You mm -hmm. know, like you know, I really funded the entire business out of not taking any money out of the business the myself. Yes. Like that's that's how we controlled our cash flow, and then so. You know, pushing into into uh, into COVID times, while well, all of these things started coming up, right? right. And things uh, through the BDC, through the things that are backed through the government. There's uh, literally uh, uh, things for just employing students at the moment. Uh, yeah. Just literally taking on students, you, you, you'd get a significant amount of of income from that. And then as well as, you know, with any business, uh, you know, uh, funding and loans and line of credit. So it's a, it's a, it's a big part of kind of being able to manage the cycle of the business. And, and, you know, now there's, it's just that the government is really offering a lot of backed support, you right. know, but you have to be looking for it and you have to right. be listening to the announcements and then not just doing that, but following through and realizing, okay, well, where do I go to apply for that? And then putting all that information together to present it, to be able to take advantage of it. 
So it's things, it's things like that. Awesome. Awesome. So a couple follow-up questions, you know, mm-hmm. just admin in, in stretching your business, you know, from like 5 million to 10 million, where, where did you struggle admin wise? Cause that's sometimes, I think a lot of times young people don't recognize the impact of an incredibly strong admin team and just the force of what revenue does to pull apart admin. Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, for, yeah, for sure. Well, I'll t- like I'll tell you just to to split up departments and and and, sure. and first talk about staff. You know, we went from having a, a sales team of of two people to a sales team of six people. We right. went from having a bookkeeping team of one person to a bookkeeping team of three people. We had to introduce an office manager uh, mm-hmm. to help really uh, you know oversee everything. We went from having one administrator that's at the front dealing with phone calls and just doing general admin work to to three administrators. Wow. Uh, we went from having Ryan being the project coordinator handling all the production to we had uh, three full-time project coordinators. We had two full-time estimators that are working. We had three drivers with trucks. We had three repair techs that are full-time just doing repairs, inspections, and fixing things. And then so you 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 bring all of that together. Well, that all trails back in-house of like, how do you manage all of that? And, um, you know, you go from uh, having, you know, when you're thinking of planning out your week, okay, I have five, six jobs on the go. So I need to get five material orders ready, five uh, sub pays ready. I need to order five dumpsters to now it's like, I have on average about, you know, although we had 20 crews, some of the crews were running on jobs for longer periods of time. But I would say on average, we had about 10, five to 10 new jobs starting every day. Wow. And then, so now you have to, you know, the, the impact of that is just huge. So now you're talking about, okay, well, what software do I use to manage that? The software we were using is just not enough. Well, yeah. now you're introducing a software that you have to learn, uh, kind of implement within your business while you're going through this massive growth, you know, then you to think about accounting and how does accounting now tie to this new software we're using, um, as well as the entire operations. So administratively, yeah, it was it was really really tough. It was really tough. Luckily, I'm I'm quite a how would I say I'm I'm very like good being organized and just putting things in place that that help control things. And yeah. and so and I'm and I'm I, and I, and you know one of the things is I'm not scared to like make like massive changes in the middle of the season to uh, to adapt. You know, so and I'll give you a quick example. Although our production, we had a software, great things were organized in there. We had pro- three pro- like experienced project coordinators, great. Somehow things weren't coming together. Like it right. was just, it felt like things were lost. Right. And so then all of a sudden, I was just sitting there thinking, and I was like, you know what? I want to draw a map. So I put up a massive, about a massive whiteboard. I put it in our production room, and I drew a map of the city of Ottawa. And I put every single project we had on that map that it was currently in production. And then I bought these little color palettes, uh, like these magnets, and assigned them like a different uh, kind of uh, tag. And then now all of a sudden, this little one change uh, brought it all together because visually, as a team, three project coordinators sitting in a room, two estimators sitting with them, we can all come into this room and now when we're talking, we're not talking through a list 
and through different projects that are hard to, we're looking visually like what's going on with our production. Mm -hmm. That helped really bring things together and help run our production meetings a lot more efficiently. Now I'm not looking through any list. I'm looking at the map and I'm starting at the top left corner. Hey, what's going on with this project? Oh, yeah. it's different. Change the color on it. And then so we started to do that. And that plus our softwares, plus our manpower kind of kept things together. But I'd be lying to you if I said that it still wasn't like uh it was it wasn't working, wasn't working yeah. the way you needed to work. The other thing as well, just to comment is you're also a really strong, sorry, not just decision-making problem solver. You know, one of the mm -hmm. advantages of, of, you know, engineers is, is that's what they learn how to do. So, so I think that's the other thing, you know, speaking to one of your strengths. So, but Adel jumping to the next year. So I know you basically, you know, experienced this and then you made some decisions moving forward. Let's split up our divisions. Let's, let's focus on talent density. It's something actually that we discovered. So what did you do moving into that next year? And, and how, how did that impact your business? Yeah, the following year was uh, quite an exciting but yet scary year. And, and, and the reason being is that I actually felt like myself, you know, and I took full responsibility for it, is that I dug myself a pretty big hole. Mm -hmm. um, although we had a big year, it was quite a, it was quite a, a tough year overall. You know, we went right. through, it was the first time we went through, uh, doing big commercial projects and, and, and feeling the impact of, you know, well, what happens when you're not going to get paid on a project, right. you don't have to deal with that, um, and on large size projects. And then, so, so anyways, that year we finished off actually feeling like, you know, seven years worth of work. And here I am. Now, kind of like looking up and being like, how am I going to get this company out of this? Mm -hmm. And, you know, luckily, you know, my optimism really snapped me out of it pretty quickly. And I was like, okay, let's take everything that's happened. Let's learn from it mm -hmm. and let's, let's adapt. So, so we switched our business model. We decided we want to uh, reduce, you know, we wanted to cut our revenue back by about 30 to 35%. Right. And we really eliminated the things that honestly weren't making us money. Money, like, yeah. were not profitable. They were more, yeah. uh, but they were also very highly demanding. You yes. know, so you'd have one project that you can, for example, make forty percent profit on. That is easygoing, barely asks you for things. You can do it on your own time. You call the shots. Then you have this other project that you're making twenty percent on, but you have to allocate a good chunk of your resources to keep up with it. It just yeah. wasn't adding up. So we cut all that out. Right. Um, and then, so we really focused on, and, and not only, you know, by reducing that revenue, it's, it's funny. It's, you know, that additional 20 to 30% of revenue required almost 50% more resources. Yes. It was, you know, it was just like that little bit of extra just required so much more. So, so we, we reduced our overhead by about 50%. Uh, we got rid of our line of dumpsters. Um, we completely, we basically, yeah, shaved 50% to cut it like that, to just yeah. summarize it. We shaved 50% of our, our, our overhead and that just made the year run a lot smoother. And it, it took us all of last year to recover from the previous year. Exactly. Yeah. And and one of the things, because I know we've chatted, you know, a number of times and, and, and I know one of the things that really jumped for me was really, you basically took all your B players 
out of your business too. Like, you know, and maybe even some C players, you know, people who just weren't totally all over it. And then what ends up happening is, is this, this, you know, A players doing it together, they even push themselves to a higher and higher level, right? They're just performing at a higher level, you know, in all the different spots of your business. I know we've discovered that like our, in, in Reed Hastings in his book, he's the CEO of Netflix wrote about it is, is talent density that when you just have really strong people on your team, and that's actually what you do when you cut a third of your business, you know, then only the stars are there. Right. Exactly. And then anybody who doesn't, you know, fully align with Adel and Ryan's, you know, uh, values and, and the team and, and all the things that you're looking to create and then no customer problems because, because just the work's being done well and taking out those, you know, high energy clients or challenging clients, it just, all these things just streamline everything. Absolutely. You know, our sales team is a great example of that. You know, we had, uh, six, I believe six full-time sales reps at one point. Now we have two and, you know, it took, it took six sales reps to, to sell, you know, the $10 million that we wanted to reach. And now with two sales reps, we can easily do six. Yeah, you know, exactly. Six million. And then so it just happens to be that, you know, these sales reps have the ability to qualify leads a lot better, have yeah. a way higher closing percentage. So the volume that's coming in doesn't require six people to manage it. And it's not like our leads are decreasing. You know, we still mm -hmm. have the same amount of leads we had when we wanted to do 10 million. Like that's not our issue here. Yeah. Um, but it's just, you know, we have the ability to be a lot better focused, sell way better jobs. We, you know, we have the ability to literally say no to jobs because, yeah. you know, that flexibility is there. But by the way, as well, we have the ability. Everybody has the ability. You just have the understanding that you have the ability, right? Like so many people are so scarce. And I remember the first businesses I ran, I thought I had to say yes. I thought I had to cut my price and, you know, and it's just, no, you know, sorry, I'm not cutting my price. And then this is it. This is, this is how much I need to get, go and do your job. You don't like it. Okay. And obviously we can say that in lots of nicer ways, but yeah. it's no. And, and, you know, and I think that's a really important thing is, is making sure that we're identifying people who want to do business with us the way we want to do business. I think that's so great. For, for sure. Absolutely. It's, 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 you know, that point that you just made is like being able to understand that the decision is yours. And yeah, a lot of people miss out on that point, especially yeah. in sales. And I, you know, I know we're, we're, we're going to talk about it a little bit further, but you know, the yeah. point that you made is like recognizing that. Um, it is your, you know, it is your choice to do anything in life, yeah. you know, and, and those choices are, are either big decisions or really just singular in the moment decisions, decisions like me being on this, on this podcast with you, yeah. which is gonna, yeah. you know, for sure the impact after coming out of this, my energy level, you know, yeah. like that's going to have a significant impact throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout, you know, the next month, that's a choice. And you yep. do these choices every single day in, in life or in business in general. Absolutely. So one other choice that you made is, is your decision to franchise. So tell us about that. Like, what's the idea? What's the thought, you know, et cetera. Yeah. So um, that one was interesting. I've been thinking about that for a while. Not necessarily, right. but just where's Rydal going? Right. And, uh, you know, when 2018 hit, I made a decision that it's not it's not going to be in this large commercial space i right. i don't think that's where i want to take the company and, and there is right. actually a lot of companies that are very successful in that in that space i think there is a really good way to do it 
It mm-hmm. just wasn't where I thought at the moment is where I'm, I'm ready to go with it yet. So then the, the question came in is like, okay, what, well, what, what's next? And then, so the idea was, okay, well, let's move into different cities and, and just replicate Rydell there. But, you know, there was always the thought challenges is like, well, you know, a big portion of what makes Rydell successful here is that me and Ryan are here, you know, we're yes. working here full time and, yeah. and moving in. There's just all these thoughts at the time, you know, For that, sure. that at these thoughts actually seem like big roadblocks, which yeah. now we realize aren't, but at the time right. they were. And then you invited me to that Moxie's dinner, mm-hmm. you know, that one, two years ago or whatever. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah you were, you were speaking at training and, and, yes. and that's when we used to be able to go and eat and have dinners together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That time. Yeah. I remember that's the right. days. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> so like, I remember I walked in, um, I walked in into that, that restaurant and i just saw like i saw all of these like dressed up basically old south like old me's you know yeah that's right and i just like looked at it and i'll be honest it was like that's really a lot of like that's where it clicked right and like in that in that dinner like that's when i was like i looked around and i was like you know i have uh, you know the big missing piece that i i thought was stopping us from expanding was myself. I was like, right. well, I can't duplicate myself and put right. myself in different cities to make this run. And when I walked into that, you know, into Moxie's and I saw all, you know, everybody there, I was like, well, there's a hundred of me right in this room. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah, exactly. And then so so it was honestly very random. It wasn't like something I was seriously like it wasn't something that was seriously in the in in, in the planning process. It right. was more of like right there it just clicked and um you know, I I brought the idea back to Ryan and I was like, "Ryan, I have an idea." You know? And <laughs> yeah. and 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 that's really where where it all it all stemmed out of and started and yeah, and here we are now. Yeah. No, and it's really great. Like, um, one of the interesting things is, you know, first of all, you know, our biggest, I know, competitor, a lot of people compared us to is College Pro. And so mm-hmm. a couple of things of note, well, first of all, they no longer exist in the painting space. They, they sold their business a couple of years ago and they don't exist in that space, but they, they went public in the late eighties and Jay Hennick, super, super smart guy, multi-billionaire went and took that business and basically with public funding and, you know, recruiting a whole bunch of really smart managers and, and basically developed full-time franchise businesses across North America. So it is a model that has been more than aware of for us. And again, on the other hand, it's like, what really drives you? What really motivates you? What really, and what wakes me up in the morning and excites me is developing student leaders and anything I've done outside of that space in the end, hasn't turned out. And in the end, doesn't really catch my passion. So, so mm. we are really, really busy developing amazing students in, the, in, our, in our painting side of the business and our window cleaning side of the business is booming. And we're still years from being fully grown in that space. Mm. And so it's, you know, just for people who might be thinking, well, why didn't you guys do that? Well, because we know about talent density, we know about focus and that there's no way. Yes, we have this incredible, talented, amazing people. And I know you now have four amazing franchisees in your business, you know, shout out to all of them. 
but we couldn't have developed that. Or again, it would have been a real stretch. It would have been off our, our vision, off our plan, off our, you know, and we're likely going to double in size this year or real possibility. Like it's going to, we're just booming, certainly up by 50%. So, you know, it's, it's fascinating um, that here's this opportunity, uh, you know, that, that kind of works together. And the other thing as well, just about roofing is, you know, I'm not sure if you're aware, but College Pro actually tried roofing as a student business years ago. No, I was not aware And something of that. like five of, of six of those roofers, student roofers, you know, literally lost money and it was a real horrible thing and it just totally didn't work. No surprising because there's just a lot of technical information around roofing. It's a lot more challenging than the painting business, isn't it? Technically. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. Yeah, the technical side of roofing is is quite complicated. The type of individuals that are needed to do the roofing is is a lot more scarce. Um, yeah, you know, uh, in comparison to to painting. Mm-hmm. Um, although I do believe that painting is an art form. Like you know, like to be a good painter, there is a there is a a, a science to it, and and yeah. uh, to go with it. But with you know, with painting, you know, just to reflect back on my experience, if I ever had a, a painters not show up well i can easily go into that house and i i could probably paint as fast as both of them did and right. finish the house in a day and i'm i'm good you know i'm right. caught up. you know with the roofing it's funny it's actually happening today you know the the kingston's franchise had a crew lined up and and they just they 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 didn't show up today because there's a high chance of rain and they don't think they can finish the job and you can't just jump up there and no. and hey let me just do the roof, you know, yeah. like, that's yeah. not how it works. No. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a lot more complicated of a, of a business to produce. I would yes. say not to sell. I think selling is pretty similar across you. You're selling bigger ticket items, but through and through, that's not too, too much harder. Right. The production and the technicality of roofing is a lot more complicated. And so one of the other things as well, um, Idol is, is, you know, one of the things about creating any type of business is, is creating a business that really provides value to your franchisees. You know, we are, you know, a unique value proposition. And again, people leave our program and are just, you know, raving fans of it, you know, overwhelmingly. And, you know, you can see that in all sorts of different things, our return rate, our referral rate, our glass door, you know, satisfaction. And that's an enormous part of franchising successfully. Mm-hmm. So what have you done? that's really unique that makes Rydell, you know, going to be really powerful. Obviously, you know, one thing is, is starting it with amazing franchisees. That's a really great thing. So what's, what's your system so that you're providing really great value to those franchisees? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So, um, really at the, at the beginning, finding the right types of people is, is very key. Um, Yes. And, you know, finding people that are are willing to adapt and learn and take the value that you offer and and make something out of it. Right. Um, you know, from our end, one of the the key things we have is that we've went through like a long cycle of different business uh, models every year based on the revenue we were going with. Right. And and then so that taught us a lot about the do's and don'ts and. Uh, you know, how to start and what to do at every level of a business. Right. And then so so with us, one of our our, our, our key benefits is that we have a really large team 
that has been through us for a while, that's able to support and in a way help carry that individual that's starting a franchise from the ground up. And part of it is also because our business is is now you're you, you, you know you have to worry about accounting a little bit. You know you have to yes. understand what's going on with the accounting of your business. You know you're you're heavily in, uh, more involved in terms of production and 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 managing. You know the the just overall management is a, a little bit. It's like a step up in terms of complications. For sure. So so for us, one of the benefits is that we have a pretty large team here in Ottawa that's there to support the franchisees and help them help them get there. And then overall, really, my number one goal with all of these franchisees is that um, you know I want them to own multiple franchises. That's that's okay. like the overall target. And then so so with that being said when we're going through planning out their goals and coaching them and kind of, um, uh, you know, helping them grow their business. The idea is, is that how can we get you to a, a, a revenue target of where you can hire two people to fully manage your entire franchise, and then you can go and start another franchise, you know? So when we bring somebody on to, to, to start a, a, a rival franchise, it's very important for us to recognize that this person is in, is interested in that similar, uh, you know, uh, thought process of growth of where right. you know they're in it to not just open up one franchise, but there's a potential to open up more. And if you right. work really hard and you get to that to that level, it's we're there to support you to do that. Right. Um, yeah. So that's kind of like the overall, I guess, overall package. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 for our leaders, you know, uh, a lot of past successful, you know, McDonald's, Tim Hortons, you know, a real great strategy is looking at franchisees as not just, oh, this is a franchisee. No, this is somebody who can be, you know, in, in some, some ways, a master franchisee where they have multiple mm-hmm. locations underneath them. And, and that's how you, you look at, again, some, some people, um, you know, who, who, you know, own McDonald's or Tim Hortons or franchises who become enormously wealthy because they're, more than a franchisee, they really, uh, you know, are, are, are business titans in many ways. You know, they're really, really using not just their management skills, but their leadership skills at a really, really high level. So, mm-hmm. so I hear what, I hear what you're saying. So you're looking for, for, first of all, people who are, you know, really, again, driven, you know, high, highly skilled at a really young age to go and take that next level. I know one of the things as well that you're doing is really providing estimating services for your, for these franchisees. So, so sort of right. taking that out, any other things as well that are unique, like that's obviously not something that we do in the student workspaces, but that's something that really is helpful for, for the franchisees. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, so part of the, you know, when I say the team is there to help you is mm-hmm. to, to dive into that a little bit more detailed is that, um, uh, so we provide all of your estimating services. So when mm-hmm. you show up to a job or to a house, or when you get a lead, you really have to do your phone call, your qualifying yeah. phone call to, to yeah. book an appointment. Once you do that, you request an estimate from our head office. Our head office fully gets that estimate ready for you. And then you just show up with it ready to go. And then, so what that does is that makes it that you don't have to jump up on roofs. Um, You can really quote any type of project. You don't have to necessarily be an expert right off the bat to know how to price roofing. Right. Um, It's a lot more accurate and it just makes your sales process a lot shorter and and a lot uh, more effective. 
the other thing is, is we do manage all of the accounting right. to a point for the franchisees, but, but our, our, our kind of like approach to it is that I want you to know what, how to do your own accounting and for how sure. things work in your business. Now I have an accounting team that's going to handle your suppliers and your overall big, uh, big ticket items that require, that require bookkeeping. But, um, you're going to handle a lot of it as well. And then, so we work together in, in kind of training them and them gaining experience there. We manage all of their marketing. So, so there's, there's no, you know, we obviously know how to do marketing in writing. Right. And then, so, um, so we, we manage all of that. We provide them with the software um, that we're, you know, we're in the, in, in the middle of kind of uh, building to, 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 right. to, to use, but um it's we provide them with the software to help manage their entire business, and then of course, obviously, our training program is is quite extensive, and and uh, um, you know, and it's it's for quite a few weeks that they go through training both for roofing and learning how to actually hands on do roofing, yeah, both asphalt and metal, and and we act like we fully do real customers' roofs. And then as well as then for the training on business management, and then as well as in-house um, roofing training on a more like, like secondary level um, in terms of like more complicated things. So we offer, yeah, we kind of offer all of that, um, right. you know, part of your, your franchise. Yeah. And if you're a franchisee and you're sort of saying, hey, you know, Rydell can drive all the leads my way, give me estimates. And so that really I'm, I'm, I'm sales, I'm focusing on sales, qualifying leads going and then selling. And then I've got to develop, uh, you know, a, a team, you know, and manage that team to make sure that the work's complete and then help the whole process. Right. So there's a process around it, uh, you know, in, in, in our terms, assignment, you know, uh, on online program and then accounting through to the end. It, it really, it really makes the experience really, uh, really powerful. And one, one big thing about roofing is for painting for a number of years, it's been really professionalized by a number of really big brands, Serta Pro, formerly College Pro, ourselves, 1-800-WOW painting. There's, there's, there's a number of brands who are really, and smaller, re, more regional brands, but in the paint, in the roofing business, there really are not that many really professional brands it is an opportunity and and you know where there's an opportunity you know i, I certainly in my mind in 20 years it's going to be look a lot different in terms of the branding of the roofing industry you know it just it just you know it's just more naturally that's what happens some 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 get started some industries get started and then then otherwise they they, they fall behind mm -hmm. oh absolutely yeah painting is definitely uh you know different you can definitely look at in in a in a city or in a country and you could see like you know what there's some really high-end painting companies student works yes. being yeah you know one of them that just have it right they have it figured out with roofing there actually really isn't there yeah. is on the commercial side of things yes um some some big guys that, that mm -hmm. are like north america wide that just yeah. really figured it out but on the residential side there really isn't every city just has uh you know a couple hundred roofing companies, yeah. you know, a few hundred roofing companies that, that are run and, you know, they consist of a couple of guys in a truck to a yeah. company that has maybe two, three, four crews running. Yeah. So there definitely is an opportunity, you know, for roofing to get like a, a, a revamping of yeah. like, you know what, this is the way roofing is done. This is the yeah. way you, you start 
manage, sell, and produce, a, you know, in a roofing company. And, and we're, you know, we're the ones doing that. Yeah, no, it's really exciting. I know, I know we're, we're, you know, sort of mid, mid to, to late April, uh, 2021. I know, I know we're just checking in. We already have over 600 K booked with the, the four, four people just getting started. And, mm-hmm. and, and again, it really is, you know, the marketing just gets started, um, you know, just, just, uh, you know, weeks ago. So, 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 so excited to see what, you know, the team can accomplish this year. Um, and you know, one of the, one of the, the really exciting things about roofing as well is just the average job size. I know, I know we're connected over, you know, social media feeds. And I saw, I saw you book a big, big job with Ben, you know, 60 K job, you know, on the spot. So, so that's, that's pretty amazing. You know, certainly from a painting perspective, you know, not a lot of jobs like that, you know, and, right. and so, so, but there are a bunch more jobs like that on, on the, uh, the roofing side. So why don't you talk about, about sales? Cause I know, I know, um, you know, Luke Fenn, one of our, 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 our weapon and really amazing senior district managers was out with you and, and was just, was just amazed at a bunch, a bunch of the, the strategies he used and, and, and just, uh, just how effective you were in sales. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess sales is, um, you know, everybody's got like a, I guess a specialty and, right. and to them or something that they're just, they are re- really good at. And mm-hmm. for me, sales is that thing. Uh, it's 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 obviously played a major role in 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 getting us to this because for the you know for the first three four years, I was really the you know the sales rep. Um, right. And and bringing in a sales team, you tend to realize how broken sales is. You know, yes. like when you hire a sales rep and you put up an ad for sales reps and they come in and you talk to them, you're like, you you know. <laughs> You don't understand sales theory, or you have you ever even read a book about sales? You more yeah. think like I'm gonna become buddy buddy with this guy and yeah. talk him into it, you know? And, yeah. and so that's the general sales that are out there. So um, yeah, sales has been one of my key strengths, but a big portion of that is because I actually got really passionate about it, yeah. and and I and I really, uh, you know, especially in roofing, decided you know to really figure out the science behind selling roofs. And then so uh, by doing so, it's, it's obviously it, it works really well. And I'm pretty confident going into it like that day. You know, it's quite exciting. It's my first time really posting something. I don't really post a lot on. Yes, media. I know. Yeah, it's that's not, right. Yeah, it's just not my thing. But at that time, it was like, you know, it was it was really exciting because, you know, I haven't done a lot of sales in the last couple of years because I was busy right. managing the, the the company and I had sales reps. And then so with with training the franchisees, I was the one that's going to the cities and I'm doing sales. And with every single time I had like similar success, like the, yeah. the, now I, I didn't go hundred percent all day long, sure. but one slips through the cracks, you know, throughout the day, but, uh, it's, it went really, really well. And then, so finally this, it, you know, this la- and it tests you too, because For sure. doing sales in front of somebody else that's trying to learn from you you really put yourself on a pedestal is that when you're training that individual and you're talking about why you have to do certain things, well, you better make sure you're doing them you when you're training them in house. <laughs> and then so, so there's definitely a, a little bit of pressure involved and, but overall it, it went really, really good. Uh, you know, that day was a, a nice day because I didn't set up any of the, the meetings um, right. and to the phone call. It is, absolutely like uh, like it is so crucial mm-hmm. so crucial having a proper 
a qualifying phone call. Um, Definitely. You know, I don't know what the percentage is to it, but in my opinion, you know, I always like draw a graph and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I put a point like in the middle of that graph and I say, you know, like, let's say that point is a client closing. Right. And so you could start at zero and work in a straight line straight to that close. And that's the shortest way to get there. But if you have a horrible phone call, instead of going in a straight line, you're going to go into a little bit of like a curvy low line. And then mm-hmm. when you show up to that appointment, now you got a really steep curve. Like you got to, mm-hmm. you got to really up your game to get to that close because yeah. of missing out on that phone call. And so I never set up any of the phone calls. So I'm obviously, you know, not really uh, sure exactly what's going on. And then, so we show up to the first, to the first one and, you know, and, and we got hit with probably four to five closes, but it was, it was overall, you know, the client ended up booking um, with us and it was a small one and, right. um, you know, it wasn't like uh, overly uh, excited, but it's still great. Like, Hey, yeah. we got a, a, a nice close. And then the second one was definitely a big one. And, and that was a tough one. Like, like just to bring you into a, a perspective, like people don't make $60,000 decisions on the spot. Yeah. Like that's for not sure. what people do, yeah. you know? And uh, with this one, we were his first quote. And when you're talking 60,000, you get multiple quotes. Yes. Um, and then on top of that, this particular client had a bunch of financial stresses behind making the decision. You know, he's getting the funding somewhere else and he hasn't had that fully ironed out yet. And, you know, we sat there for, for two hours, just really uh, bringing that all out to light and, and talking that through to eventually the client books with us. Right. And yeah, it was, it was definitely a, a really, and, and, you know, it was, it was a really cool appointment. Now in my mind, it, you know, for, for Ben, who was with me, he was, you know, mind blown, like of yes. how it happened because literally these appointments, they don't start off. Like they're not like a appointments. They're not, they're not like, you know, because it, it's just, again, the setup is really important. They're, yeah. they're, uh, you know, they're, they weren't there and I had to get them there. But right. the entire time, I was super confident they're getting there. Right. I knew they were getting there. It was just a matter of, you know, kind of walking them through their their kind of their decision making for them to eventually get there. And then finally, going into the third one, I li- you know, Ben literally tells me, he's like, hey, Adel, just so you know, these guys are not going to book. I, I just set this up because I know you were coming down to Kingston and I just wanted to do these appointments with you. Um, right. They're not even considering doing the roof this year. Uh, you know, it was like, it was like that kind wow. of an honor. Yeah. I was like, okay, no problem. You know, go in there. An hour later, they're super excited about getting the roof done. They give us a deposit and, and uh, I think that job's already produced. Fantastic. Um, awesome. You know, and it's just bringing that client, that client there. So yes, yeah, so that, that day was very exciting. It was an exciting right. experience in the sense that they were all very challenging sales appointments and. And I, I uh, you know, and we were able to get them there. And to me, you know, with sales, the things that I focus on are, yeah. are a few key things. It starts off with the phone call. It's 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 what I call an upfront contract. Right. Um, cre- creating a solid upfront contract with the client is extremely crucial. And what an upfront contract is is saying, "Hey, Chris, I'm going to come to your house. I'm going to spend a bunch of my time and money." to provide you with this quote and all this information. And I'm okay with doing that. But in return, I only ask for one thing. And that is, is that I expect you to make a decision and you agree to make a decision while I'm there. 
And that could be a yes or a no. I'm not telling you to make a yes decision on the phone, but at least you're agreeing with me that, hey, A, um, I know that you're spending all this time with me. B, I know that you've pre-told me about this promotion that you can get by making a decision on that day. Right. And then so by doing that, okay, great. Well, now when I get to your house, if you decide to give me some rebuttals, well, hey, listen, Chris, we talked about this. Right. You know what I mean? We had this conversation, you know? And then so if, but if you don't have that, you, you don't have that little bit of upper hand by being like, but, you know, Chris, like I said on the phone, you know, the, the 10% discount that we have is yeah. offered on the day. And here's the reason why yeah. it is. So that's, that's huge. Then when you get to, to, the, to the appointment, you know, to me, I, I find that, you know, building, building rapport is something that you can do throughout the appointment. You don't have to yeah. do it right away, but it is something yeah. that is crucial, creating that kind of emotional connection. But besides, you know, after that, one of, uh, you know, the things that I always look for is what I call a trigger. Mm-hmm. Some people call it identifying the need. They, you know, some people, uh, yeah, some people call it, let's say, identifying the need. To me, I call right. it a trigger. And what I've been able to break it down is that people have a set number of triggers. And so an individual could be triggered by rapport. And we right. experience those sales all the time. There are certain people, they don't even care about what you're offering, what you're doing, what kind of service you're, you're, you have, what your price is. They just want to make friends with you. And, right. and that's what they're saying. If they like you and they click with you, that's what then, triggers okay. them. That's yeah, how I they trust, make decisions. I trust you. I trust you. Exactly. I need my roof done. Okay. I can work with you. Yeah. Exactly. And then, but different people have different triggers and, and some people's triggers are literally things you can never think of. A lot of mm-hmm. people will tell you straight up, I'm not making a decision today because I have other quotes that are coming in. That's not true. That is not why they're saying that there right. is something behind that wall, behind that, like that rebuttal that they're giving you that just, you weren't able to identify. Right. And so the key throughout the entire presentation the entire sales process is to identify what that trigger is. And the way you do that is by asking questions, right? Questions, questions, questions. You ask questions and you listen, and then you ask questions and you listen. And by taking that in, you're really allowing the customer to to really open up themselves and tell you exactly how they go about making decisions. What is it that is deep down triggering them to either make a yes decision or a no decision? Once you've identified that, now, when you have a perfect, beautiful presentation and you offer great value, you know, and, and you offer this discount, well, great. Now they're going to make a decision. But if you don't identify what that trigger is, you could have a beautiful presentation, awesome roofing value, you know, offering them the best roof on the planet. Right. You know, your price could be amazing, although we're the most expensive company you could go with because we're very value focused. You know, right. you don't hire us for price. You hire us if you want a roof that's headache free, that's going to last you forever. You know, right. that's why right. you hire right out. But if you don't identify that trigger, you're not getting there. And then after, you know, you've, you've identified the trigger, you've, you've been able to address it. You've done a, a really nice presentation to really show them that there's, you know, you're building value behind what you're offering. And then you, you, you get to the quote stage. I think what most sales reps fail to get accustomed to is that there's always going to be a rebuttal. 
Right. It is no like it's very rare, even with all of this. People are not are not like programmed to make decisions. Yes. Like they're just they're not, you know? And then so, you know, you have to know that going in. So it doesn't like for me, it doesn't matter what rebuttal comes up to me. It's literally like just so natural. Like it doesn't phase me. I already know you're gonna hit me with a rebuttal, even if I've done an amazing job. It's just, I just know that's a thing. And then, so what a lot of sales reps do is that that kind of, they almost always get caught off guard by a rebuttal. It's almost like, oh, damn, I got a rebuttal. Like, oh, now I got to work my way up. To me, I don't look at that. To me, I'm like, okay, well, we're at that stage of your decision making. Right. You know, now you're you're pretty much ready. Like, Mm -hmm. let's go through it. You know, and, and and then to finish things off is that I'm really strong at rebuttals. In the sense that I am not scared or worried or taken back by, you know, re- closing you once, twice, three times, five times, 10 times. Right. Uh, you know, the one that Luke's talking about there, um, it was a metal roof. Her name was Sherry. She got a bunch of quotes, um, or so she says, that was uh, $30,000. And right. our metal roof quote came in at $55,000 right. for us to do a metal roof. And we were in there for two and a half hours and it was about a, an hour of closing, maybe an hour and a half. I would say it was probably about an hour to an hour of closing in the sense that we're walking her through her decision-making process and uh, just really, you know, bringing her up from that $30,000 mark to that, you know, 50, uh, $55,000 mark. And, and so, you know, when we walked out of that, that house, Luke was just absolutely mind blown. He's like, right. you know, he literally, he's like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life, <laughs> you know, because it's just, she was just not there, you right. know, like it, it's, uh, but because I, I knew that, you know, when she first said to me that, you know, I hate, no, you're, you're literally the client was like, no, it's like, she looked at the quote, she's like, no. And most people are very taken back by that. Like they're right. like, oh, like that's a hard. And then, you know, I paused. I, I didn't, didn't even reply to it. And she waited like 15, 10, 15 seconds. And she's like, this is, this is way, like, this is way too high, you know? And then that's when we started to talk about it. And really at the end of it, at the core of her trigger with this lady is that money wasn't really um, an issue. And really what it was is that she got her windows done two years ago and she really got screwed by a contractor. Okay. And she's a single lady that, uh, that is taking care of a massive house and she's just extremely scared. Yeah. She's just very, very scared. Right. And then, so it wasn't really the money that was wearing her. What she was more scared of was like, if I paid this much more, is this going to solve my fear? Am I, do I feel safe yeah. by doing this? And then, so at the core of it, it ended up being like, yeah, that actually is what it is, you mm-hmm. know? And she felt safe by the end of that two and a half hour appointment right. to be like, you know what? This is worth it for me. I'm going to go for it. Yeah. And, and then, so those, that's kind of like my thought process. Uh, no, I think, no, I think it's, I think it's fascinating. And I think one of the things for, for people or leaders listening, you know, price is just a construct. Like there's no way of understanding what a roofing price or painting price or service price is in relationship to other things. Yes, I can look online and judge my Samsung phone 
or uh, Idol's uh, Apple phone, and you we can see what it costs, right? And it's just really clear. Like there's one supplier. Here's what it is, or you know, and 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 so it's it's just very very simple pricing. But mm-hmm. in this industry, there is no. It's 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 just you know the price becomes what you can sell it for. You know, and, and again, you said earlier, look, you know, we sell we sell at the top of the market. And again, when you buy at the top of the market for, again, a credible, amazing company, then you get amazing service and amazing value. You hear problem after problem after problem dealing with contractors who don't show up on time, don't deliver what they said they were going to do, have construction failures, have problems with the job. So it's, it's, you know, you really are many times getting what you pay for. And so obviously it's your role to walk people through that, right? Mm-hmm. And show people how that can make a difference. And one one coaching, are you, are you open to some coaching? Absolutely. Fantastic. So one thing that I really suggest, one of the things our district managers do in their first estimates is they do all the calls for those first estimates for the exact same reason you mentioned. Right. And so, so they set up those calls. It's, it's, it's probably something we weren't doing back uh, when you were an, when you were an operator, but now that's something we do, you know, overwhelmingly, I'd like to say exclusively, but I know that probably would not be accurate. And so what ends up happening is again, that operator is so much more likely or sorry, that is, is so much more likely to see a job book, you know, mm-hmm. et, 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 et cetera. Now, now obviously uh, what you're doing is working. So uh, congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And I agree. I, I yeah. for sure, I for sure agree. You, you, um, you, you saw that. And even though, even though, you know, again, you're sort of having, having people who are really, you know, highly skilled or, or have a bunch of sales experience, but it's, it's, it's checking that. And then the other thing as well is what books would you recommend or what, what, tools would you recommend to our leaders that you found really helpful? Because I can tell you, you've read a lot, listened a lot, et cetera. Yeah, that's a great question. In terms of uh, sales, a lot of my, um, I, I guess a lot of my uh, training came not, not necessarily from any particular book itself okay. for sales. So I, I did, um, it was more of like a lot of just online research of okay. identifying different, different things that I've, like. I guess sales gurus are preaching. Okay. You know, so um, I did, you know, sign up, which that one is a very common one, the whole, you know, Grant Cardone, uh, yes. you know, selling process. And, and that was interesting. I, I learned a lot from it. It wasn't necessarily, I think, the way that exactly the way that I go about selling, but a lot of the things I learned from it were points yeah. that are valid and that yes. you do use. You know, the rest of it was just basically uh, just honestly random research that I did. Okay. Just okay. How do, um, you know, how do people sell and yeah. just listening to how they do it and their thought process on it and their steps and their theories. And, you know, and the foundation was obviously built off of uh, student works as well. And then right. after that, really like uh, this board that you see behind me. You know, we we literally take our sales process and we draw it out. You know, so when I say like the triggers, like that actually took meetings that were hours and hours long of where we drew that out on the board and we were mm-hmm. like, okay, well, what is it that you know triggers people? Right. And in a roofing sales process. Right. You no, know, is it the fact that they have they just got a brand new air conditioner installed? 
mm-hmm. on the side of their house and they're just so worried about roofing falling on it? Or is it mm-hmm. the fact that the kids need to leave at 7.30 to go to the bus and they're just worried about how are the kids going to walk out of the house while there's a bunch of roofing happening up top? No kidding. Yeah. You know, so so we kind of drew all that out and and then year after year, we just, you know, we've improved and improvised on what's worked and what hasn't worked. And uh, yeah, so that's yeah. that's really where my sales, a lot of my, my sales kind of knowledge came from. Yeah, and I, I hear you. Like, so a, a big part of it, Adol, is what I, you know, what I want to point out is it's self-discovery. Correct. Right. It's, it's, you know, and, and, uh, you know, again, I, I spend, you know, my life really probably the main thing I do is coach. You know, right. so that that's that's probably my main thing, and so so I can point to all sorts of books, all sorts of courses, but but really, it's self discovery. You know, mm-hmm. and and okay, what's actually working in these circumstances? What's having an impact, right? And then and then, like you said, it's like okay, this is working. This step process or whatever, right? Yeah, like exactly, exactly. I've read two two sales books before. I just cannot put my. I can't put the title on them. They weren't okay. that special. Okay. I, I, yeah. I, I read through them and I was like, okay. okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, the majority of it is just, there's a lot of sales experts, a lot of sales theory out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it all at the end of the day comes down to the same type of science. Um, it's just, it's all a little bit preaching a little bit differently on how to go about getting there. Yeah. Um, you have to find, uh, you know, you have to find what works for you and you have to try new things. That's, yeah. that's probably, that's probably pretty yeah. important in the sense of like, don't just repeat, repeat, repeat. And if it's not working out, you know, yeah. Yeah. you know, one example I'll, I'll use is Andrew Cox, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's, he's going to yeah. love me as an example, but um, you know, when he started uh, you know, he was a, an amazing success at, at Stenorx, I think ran 200 K plus yeah. uh, business. Yeah. And then, so when he started selling uh, roofing, he went like he, something crazy, like 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 oh for like fifteen or something wow. like that. Like he, yeah, he had a or like yeah, like something something yeah. really Off. rough, exactly. And and he'd call me after every single one, and he'd be like, "Adam, like I felt great in there. I thought, you know, I I, I thought, you know, everything went really really well." And then. Then we got on, on one call and I was like, okay, well, can you, you know, he, he mentioned something about presenting the quote itself. I was like, okay, can you walk me through exactly how you go about transitioning from your presentation into presenting the quote and what happens there? Right. And, and it literally came down to a few words slash things that he did there that I caught that I was like, why don't we, why don't you try this on your next one? And, uh, you know, one of the things, for example, was, is when you get to the quote, you know, and you present the price and then you present the discount, don't close right away, explain the quote, spend your time really building. Like you just, you know, you just hit them with us with a sticker shock in a way, although you've built a lot of value, you need to re 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 ignite that value in the quote before you go for your first initial close. And then, so that was one thing he wasn't doing that. The other part was, uh, you know, just the, the, the the smoothness, I guess you could call it of the, of the transition from the presentation to the quote of where I believe that the way he was doing it, he was putting people in a state of, I guess you can call it like high level seriousness, Okay, you know, and, 
And then so people were reacting of it as it was like a very serious high level decision in right. comparison to having it like in a very smooth transition that this is just the next part of my presentation of me walking you through this very yeah. easy process. And, and there's and another piece as well. Of, sorry, sorry is, is likely as well, Adel, sorry to sort of jump on that, but is, is because he was all of a sudden feeling it was serious and no surprise. I'm gone. Oh, for, for eight, oh, for 12, oh, for, you know, so, so it's like, I'm all of a sudden stressed. So we can't be stressed. I know Luke, one of the things he said was, um, and I don't know if this is completely accurate, but he said, you offered, you're, you're doing a price and you sort of said, oh, you know, well, it's, it's a hundred K, you know? And of course it wasn't hundred K and then you laughed and, you know, and, and just kind of, again, not, not say you do that all the time, but maybe you no. do do that sometimes, but, but it was just, it's just like, oh no, it's not that much. And I'm really excited to save you 10% here. So let's, let's talk about this. So it's, yeah. it's, it's oh, getting, yeah. making it fun, making it joyful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. The transition is key. And he did that, you know, to, to, to finalize his success. Like in the last two weeks, he's brought his closing ratio over 60% in those two weeks where he's Fantastic. now can, you know, he's, he's closing extremely, extremely well now. Mm -hmm. And obviously now, cause he has more experience. It's just, yeah. you know, you're, you're, you've gone the same questions, rebuttals, et cetera. And he's feeling a lot more confident, but you know, that one little shift in the way he noticed a massive difference in, in it. Um, and to, to, to highlight on the, on the lighthearted thing, one of my favorite things to say is when we get to the quote is, um, you know, first we ask four, I ask four questions um, in our presentation before presenting the quote is like, you know, did we answer all of your questions? Right. Yes. Are you satisfied with the quality and, and value that we're providing? It, you know, yes. And then the third one, I can't think of off the top of my head, right. but the fourth one is, is, um, are you ready to see the quote? Yes. Perfect. Let's get you booked in. And then, so I start to open up the, the quote. And then, so I, when I open it, I grab it and, you know, and I have it like, you know, like this and I'm like, okay, well, um, we have all of your, you, we have the pricing here. If you can guess the price within a dollar, we'll do it for free. That's right. <laughs> you know, and people just absolutely love it. And people throw random guesses, you know, and it doesn't hurt either or, you know, people are worried as like, yeah. but if they under guess or over guess, like that's not really the issue here. The issue here is that I got them laughing. You know, yes. I got them looking, you know, they're looking at each other and they're like, Ooh, I don't know. You know, and, and I, nobody's guessing yet. People have gone close, yes. <laughs> but <laughs> it might catch us one day and we're given a free roof, but you know, overall, yeah, it's just like, it's a very lighthearted transition into presenting the quote and it gets people like, you know, feeling a little calmer about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's awesome. Awesome. It's no, that's well, exactly. And, and that's part of it is as well is, is that, is that getting centered, getting, you know, just, just centered. And I know one thing as well that you talked about price first or price last. And I know one of the things that a lot of our operators will be doing is, is, is price last and then jump right into closing. Mm -hmm. And in the painting business, probably because the average job size is smaller you know, that sort of thing. It's, 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 it's not a, as, as much of a sticker shock, but again, if you're putting $10,000 or 60,000 or whatever, it makes sense to spend some time reorient, you know, settle, you know, and just re re add the value, you know, and also allow people to go, Oh, well, how, you know, not that I don't have the wealth to pay for it, but how can I pay for it? Right. Maybe, Oh, wow. You know, I, I you know, I, 
you know, someone shouldn't have $60,000 sitting in their savings account, right? That wouldn't yeah. be a good use of that money. So a lot of times as well, our students don't really think about that. Our leaders don't really think about that. But, you know, again, it's, it's, it's a, it's a significant thing. Maybe I need to finance that. Maybe I need to, you know, so, so it's, it, it allows them to think about that. So, well, Adel, I know we had other things that we're going to jump into, but we are not. This was awesome. I just love, yeah. I just love our conversation. Anything else you want to, you want to leave with our, our leaders listening? For sure. Um, I think one thing that I've, I've, I've learned in the last years with being involved with, with the, you know, with student works at the beginning and just having this relationship is that, you know, every door that you walk through has different paths. And so, um, the choices that you make and the way that you look at opportunity can really impact your life long-term. And so, uh, you know, when you look at, and I'll use the current franchisees we have as an example, is that the day they started, they went to their first training at Student Works, they did not think, you know, three, four, five years down the road, they were going to now be opening up their, you know, going down this route of opening up their own roofing company. And so, but what they did do is they really capitalized on the opportunity that they had in front of them and they became extremely successful doing it and they got really, really good. And by doing that and taking that path of, of becoming a top performer, that opened up another door. Mm -hmm. And now this other door is for an opportunity with Rydell. Mm -hmm. And then, so even now in this opportunity, there's different paths that they could take for sure. And, you know, and then, so, so really try to orient yourself to, to, to continue to make the right choices, work really, really hard, be honest with yourself, you know, and life, life will provide. Yeah. No, I think that's great. And it's, and it's really like, you know, again, I think one of the things as well is, is that, is that, you know, at times, Hey, you may be frustrated with someone or something like that. Just, Hey, you know, just long-term relationships are everything long-term you know, manage, manage, uh, yourself and, and just keep on going for that, keeping all your doors open for opportunities, you know, because again, I think that it's really exciting as well. You know, what's possible, you know, from Rydell, you know, you're, you're, you're running a business and all of a sudden that means I've got free time. I could start a, you know, a real estate business on the side. I could, there's, there's all sorts of different spaces that I can operate. And, and one of the things that we find for sure is, is that a lot of times, you know, young leaders do not understand the enormous, enormous opportunities in the trades. You know, it's, it, I get it, right? Because you're going to school and you, you're hoping to be an engineer or a doctor or a lawyer and look at, look, look at what, what Adel's doing with his engineering degree, right? Yeah. You know, and making way, way, way more money and creating way more value than most engineers. But, you know, but most of all, hey, you got a big smile on your face, right? You're really loving what you're doing. You're providing a lot of value for your staff. I know by the way, as well, just to speak, you know, our leaders, when Adel did his downsizing, he didn't let me staff go like, like, sorry, like your core team, your core, you know, it was like your admin team. It was like, you know, the people you, you that were there were people who, Hey, just hadn't earned the right to be there. You know, mm -hmm. all the people who were, who were just core, you know, part of the culture were there. And that was a huge way that you did it too. It was a big part of your thought process. You know, I remember Pat sharing that with me. So. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My, my attachment to people is probably my weakness, not to be right. honest with you, but at one point, and some people can argue my strength is that, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I, 
you know, when I'm, when I'm thinking of potentially letting go an employee because they're just not cutting it, um, mm-hmm. and there's valid reasons to let go of that employee, yeah. I literally start to think of like, okay, they have kids, they have bills, yeah. they have this yeah. to pay, they have that yeah. to pay. And you know what I mean? And it actually takes me, it's, it's very hard for me to let go of somebody. Very, for very sure. difficult. Yeah. It's one of those things. And it's not that I'm, the process of doing it, I'm, I'm very accustomed to that. I'm not worried about sure. sitting in front of somebody and, sure. and, and, and letting them go. It's just, I really think about, I'm like, okay, well, you know, there was one employee, I'll be honest with you, for two years, I, I, I found different positions for him to right. try to like reignite his ability to do it because I was just like, you know what, I want to just, I feel bad. I want to help you out. But yeah. one thing I did learn is that, you know, you can't make decisions that way, you know, and yeah. I, I, and that took yeah. me a while to get there, but yeah. Um, well, and so, and sometimes it is exactly that getting them the right seat on the bus, they say, right. Sure. So, so moving people, but at a certain point you go, no, that person is not going to impact. It's going to make an impact on the team, my customers, mm-hmm. my franchisees, all that sort of stuff. So, so it's finding that balance, but absolutely. Adol, thanks so much for joining us again on the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. I knew we would have an awesome conversation and you'd provide loads of value. So, uh, continued success and, uh, Really excited to see all that you're creating. Awesome. Thank you, Chris. I I always have fun having these chats with you. (laughs) Okay. Hey, we'll talk soon. Okay. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Hey, leaders. I hope you enjoyed this episode. By now, you are aware that we work with ambitious students every single year to not only help them run their first successful business, but to further their development as a leader and give them an unfair advantage in the future over their counterparts. It's why starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down the path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. And I can't wait to see you on the other side.